Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. It's the Just Baseball Show. It is Wednesday, June 28th, and this is the mailbag. Arm mailbag. is still traveling. Mailbag. Arm is still traveling back from London. So Jack is making an appearance. We never get to do a mailbag with Jack, and I know he's been itching too. We have a bunch of great questions that you guys asked on our social media pages at Just Baseball Show on Instagram or at Just BB underscore media on Twitter which you can find in the episode description. But this episode is brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Use promo code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Remember, gambling problem call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older in order to use it jack are you excited to do a mailbag i'm really excited yeah i was the one that texted i was like can we do a mailbag i asked i don't even know if i said please i said can we do a mailbag because the last mailbag i did on the just baseball show was like a year ago because that's yeah. a wednesday thing it's you and arm on wednesdays i'm like shit man i'm trying to answer some questions let's get it and a lot of these questions are geared towards you. I know a lot of people were asking about Immaculate Grid. You were tagged in a lot of them. People <laughs> want to know your thoughts. People want to know my thoughts. I'm kind of a hot commodity, which is never anything I've ever experienced in my life before. So I love that. <laughs> you should. Before we get into the questions, we got to talk about Alec Manoa. Yeah. Alec Manoa finished third in American League Cy Young voting last season with a 2-2-4 ERA. 
this season, he is now rocking a 6-3-6 ERA. And the Blue Jays sent him down to the Florida Complex League. This isn't AAA. This isn't AA. This is rookie ball. And when they did send him down, he just had, and we're speaking to you all on Tuesday, June 27th, he had his first start at the Florida Complex League. Two and two-thirds, 10 earned. Not a lot of walks, right? It's not like he had nine walks. No, it was two it was 11 hits. It was two walks, 11 hits, right? Yeah. So I feel like you're just kind of opening the floor to me. I, I can give you my take. I can uh, give you my take before you want to go into it. I'm I'm perfectly fine doing it. Yeah, you go. You go, then I'll follow. Okay. So I posted a TikTok and it caught wind like that. Whenever I post anything about Alec Manoa, and it's not just me, whenever you see anyone else post things about Alec Manoa, a lot of people are coming for his neck. And does he deserve that? No. He's never done anything bad, right? He's not, you know, he's not not Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, he's not not. a domestic, domestic abuser. He's never broken any laws but a lot of people come after him. And in the midst of his incredible season, he was very vocal. He called Garrett Cole the biggest cheater in all of baseball. He said the only thing about pressure is that it's in your tires or something along the lines of that. He was talking a lot of smack during the All-Star game. That's just his bravado on the mound. Very, very confident guy. So when we saw this free fall, And ultimately, after this horrific start, the Florida Complex League, everybody is piling on. Does he deserve it? Is he a bad guy? No. But at the same time, Jack, he did bring this on himself a little bit, right? Yeah. And he's got to withstand the heat right now. I hope it's nothing like terribly, you know, mental going on, right? I hope it's not something in his personal life that's dealing with this. I hope it's just bad baseball. I don't know whether to feel bad for the guy or not, to be completely honest with you. So I think you can do both. Um, I think that, and in particular, the Yankees fan base, I think is is ready to pile on quickly because he said those things about Cole. He has been uh, one of the Yankee haters among active players in baseball. So I think that the Yankee fan base is jumping on quickly. Um, and that's not an indictment on the Yankee fan base at all. This is the burden of being a professional athlete and a really good one at that. And and I would call Alec Manoa a really good professional athlete because he did finish third in American League Cy Young voting a year ago. Um, And deserved it. And deserved it and had a low twos and was an inning series. The awards aren't always ideal, but he absolutely deserved where he finished. A top three finish. Yes. No, I mean, he was was deserving of that top three finish. But this is the burden of being a public figure where – Manoa could be going through shit behind the scenes, but the overwhelming majority of people that are going to say things don't give a shit what guys are going through. Um, And like, I'm not here to defend him and be like, hey, you have no idea what's going on behind the curtain. I'm also not here to say like, oh, this guy just fucking sucks. Like it's all pitching and he he sucks ass. Like there's got to be somewhere in between where this guy, because of his platform, has opened himself up to criticism for what he does on the field. That is how professional baseball works. If we say something stupid, we're going to hear it on social media. That's not an indictment on our personal lives. That's an indictment on what we do when the mic is hot. 
his hot mic is when he's on the mound throwing pitches and he hasn't been good at all throwing pitches. So yeah, like the, the option all the way to the Florida complex and not triple a is indicative that something bigger than just shitty stretch is going on. Um, now, having said that, I understand why this horrible outing in the complex is is getting massive play because this guy was so good last year. He was so bad this year, and this was his worst outing of the season, and it came against 17-year-olds. And before we press the record button, we always talk about you know what we're going to talk about on the podcast. We have the mailbag, and I said we should start with Alec Manoa. And I think both of us were a little bit hesitant because we don't truly know if there's something deeper going on. And we didn't really want to bag on him. And we, I don't think we are bagging on him right now. But this no. is a big story. No, I mean, like, it's this is a big story. And it, it's not just some guy who talked some shit and was like a medium pitcher and then had a bad outing. This was one of the best pitchers last year, one of the up and coming young phenoms. And he has taken a complete nosedive. We don't see this in Major League Baseball. This doesn't happen often. No, I mean, the only the only time that it does happen is if a guy has the yips, and that usually comes out. And, like, I don't think it's the yips, because you mentioned he's not walking very many guys. Like, oh, yeah, it wasn't yips, a lack of control. Sailing start. Just, yeah, yeah. It, it's he's getting hit. So I think he might just, like, it might be a domed-up situation. And the thing is, like, this is no, we are not, attacking Alec Manoa the person we're not even attacking Alec Manoa the Toronto Blue Jay all we're saying is like this guy on the mound has stunk out loud this year and that hamstrings the Toronto Blue Jays a team that we thought could be a World Series contender they lost who they thought was going to be their ace or their 1b to Kevin Gosman's 1a that sucks and Alec Manoa, a guy that many people really enjoyed watching, I really enjoyed watching him last year because he defied the savant bubbles. Uh, he just stinks now. Like, and, and that's the thing. In 2024, if he has a high twos, hey, welcome back, Alec Manoa. Like, we're going to enjoy watching him again. This is nothing more than saying that 2023 Alec Manoa to this point has been probably the disappointment of the big league season. I would agree. The disappointment of the big league season. And that's the only reason we're bringing it up. Not to bag on him, just to talk about a story that is unprecedented, really, in Major League Baseball. Like, this doesn't happen, right? <laughs> so, just wanted to mention that horrific start in rookie ball. Ten earned in two innings against 17-year-olds. I don't know how quickly he will be back for the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't even know if they should rely on him this season. And I think that's the main point that you yeah. and I are trying to bring. Which stinks, because Which stinks. I think we were penciling in Alec Manoa for 180 innings. Because, like, I'm a Yankee fan. I love watching Alec Manoa pitch. I yeah. love that dog. This right? is good, I, yeah. I, I, was, I was completely entertained. I think last season we were talking after the Ulster game, I was like, that Alec Manoa, that was one of my favorite things I've ever watched. Yeah. Like, I love that aspect of baseball. I love the shit talking. I think we need more. And I, you know, we called Garrett Cole cheater, whatever, like. Garrett Cole was a part of something, right? <laughs> like, I'm not here to get super pissed at him. But the thing is, Cole has adapted and he has not, like, succumbed to that. You know what I mean? Exactly. He's not being, you know, derailed because of that criticism. And I don't think that, you know, Manoa is being derailed from any criticism. I'm just saying, like, hey, 
he's going to hear it because every all-star caliber pitcher or hitter hears shit. I mean, we, we talk to these guys pretty often, professional baseball players, regardless of if they're in double a or they're perennial all-stars, like you're going to get haters. You're going to get boo birds, the ballpark. You're going to get Twitter trolls. And Alec Manoa just has way more than the typical baseball player right now. No doubt about it. So let's get into our mailbag on a brighter note. We have, how many questions we have? We have like seven or eight questions, a lot of really good ones. Again, thank you all for asking them. Love seeing the comments flood in. And remember, if you ever want to be featured on the Just Baseball Show, we post them in the morning on Tuesday on our Instagram at Just Baseball Show and on our Twitter at JustBB underscore media. Let's get into the first one. If the Cubs maintain where they are in the National League Central right now, around three games back, do they add at the deadline? In my opinion, they are the most complete team in the division, and the numbers suggest that they have been unlucky. P.S. It pains me to admit that as a Cardinals fan. I want to go off the bat first. No way that that was asked by a Cardinals fan. (laughs) No way. I mean, no way, right? If I'm a Yankee fan, am I asking, like, are the Red Sox buying and saying how unlucky they are? Um, and that was asked by at under or D U T underscore B A R R S dot bars <laughs> dot bars. I want to first say there is no way he's a Cardinals fan. No way. But let's talk about the question because it is a good question. Yeah. So uh, I think that they should be adding some things at the deadline. Um, I think that this is a really bad division. And I think. If I were to go into what we're looking at, you know, right now in the National League Central, honestly, maybe two weeks ago, I still would have said, I still think the Milwaukee Brewers have a run in them. But I think we've seen the best of Julio Tehran. I think we've seen the best of Wade Miley. Uh, now, when those two pump out <laughs> sub twos for the rest of the year, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to eat my words here. But like, you've got Corbin Burns with a low four. You've got Freddie Peralta with a mid four. Colin Ray. What I said, Woodruff's still on the shelf. Woodruff's on the shelf. Like Colin Ray is is a high four right now, maybe low five. Their starting pitching is no bueno. Devin Williams has been really good. Joel Piamps has been really good, but everybody else not so good. And that Peter that Strzelecki. lineup is underwhelming. Strzelecki, yeah. Um, I think the Cubs have a path to win this division because yeah, yeah. they have two All Star starting pitchers in Stroman and Steele. Tyone can't be any worse post-All-Star break than he has been pre-All-Star break. Um, I think if they were to add, they need some bullpen help. They've had a couple of guys that have thrown relatively well. Alzali, Mark Leiter out of absolutely nowhere. Merriweather out of, I don't know, I I don't want to say nowhere because we saw it with Toronto for a hot minute, but like, he, he looked like Nolan Ryan there for 15 minutes. He did for 15 minutes. (laughs) And now like he's back to a very subdued version of that. So I would say if you were to get any help, it would be in the bullpen. It may also be looking for bench bats between the margins. I would have said, hey, upgrade a catcher, but Jan Gomes is overperforming. Miguel Amaya looks decent, and Tucker Barnhart seems immovable right now. So I would say the Cubs should consider buying. I think this takes Stroman off the trade market. So it yeah. becomes Bieber and then a massive drop-off. Um so they hold on to Stroman. They try and work out an extension and, and look for bench bats or bullpen help. I think what's key about this question is that they shouldn't sell. 
Now, are they big time buyers? I'm not so sure. Like, are they going to be one of the most active teams at the deadline? I don't think so. But I think they can do kind of a Guardians mold, right? Not saying that they trade Stroman, but how the Guardians might trade Shane Bieber because they have a surplus of really good young pitchers. I think the Cubs can do something similar. Like, could they move off Trey Mancini, right? You say Tucker Barnhart is immovable. I'm sure somebody would take him for a low-level prospect. Like, they have a couple of these veterans who they could move off in order to bring back up a Matt Mervis. I know he struggled in his brief cameo in the bigs, but he's his nickname is Mash Mervis for a reason. We got to give him more run. So I think they're in a very good position because they have a surplus of some really good prospects in their system who are close to being ready. They might not be ready till next year, someone like a Pete Crow Armstrong or something like that. But I think they can be strategic at the deadline while selling off pieces that they don't see long-term while also buying some other pieces to help them win now. They're in a really good spot because the Central is wide open. Like the Reds are on this historic run. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to continue. Yeah. Right? I mean, they, how do you Cubs, feel about Williamson, Stout, Luke Weaver starting games? Exactly. The Cubs have much better pitching than them. And I would argue that, that their bullpen is not much worse than the Reds because the Reds use their bullpen, it seems like, every day. And I don't know how much longer those arms are going to continue to last. The Cardinals continue to be in this free fall ish i can't rely on them to win the division the brewers do not impress me one bit and the pirates are in a free fall so if i'm the cubs i'm not saying go all in this year because the window isn't fully open yet but you can buy and stay competitive and you definitely have an outside shot of winning this division and you don't even have to be over 500 i also think that there are some guys in triple that would benefit from seeing big league innings and that's daniel palencia and manny rodriguez those are two guys that i think are immediate upgrades to the Cubs bullpen. Palencia, I think, is is a closer in the very near future. Palencia is a guy that can sit 99, can consistently grab 100. Um, and Manny Rodriguez is a guy that has had a little bit of big league service, but, but is ticked up. So I think the Cubs could be pretty creative with this and be relatively dormant at the deadline. They could just give some AAA guys some shots from a very good Iowa Cubs team and maybe get a little bit better and win a really bad division. Yeah, like I'm looking at the Central right now. If you looked at every single team and said, give me your two best pitchers and your three best position players. It's probably the Cubs. It's probably the Cubs. They got top-end talent, and they just got to be able to build around that. You can build around that with some you know, key acquisitions. But yeah. then while continuing to build for the future, Cubs are in a very, very good spot. Yes. Let's move to question number two. Um, in your guys' years... In watching baseball, who's been your favorite or the best example of someone like Bryce Elder who plays better than the bubbles, in quotes? Someone who has bad underlying metrics but performs well regardless. I have my easy answer. I have two very easy answers. I have a pitcher and a hitter. Well, don't take my pitcher. Who's your pitcher? The man behind me. Okay. Mr. King Cal Quattro. Yeah, I'm not Cal Quattro went on the most historic run. I everybody listening to this podcast already knew my answer to that question before it was what I was reading it a lot. I mean, Cal Quattro is the classic. Yeah, his XERA is through the roof. Yeah, his Sierra is through the roof. Yeah, every single peripheral says he should retire. And guess what? Kept on winning ball games. Now this season, I will admit, was not off to a very good start. And then he got hurt. Should be but I'm willing next. to fully blame that on him getting hurt. And I think he's going to get right back to it. Because I believe in King Cal Quantrill. I always will. That's my answer. 
he should be starting a rehab very soon. I think if he didn't start yeah, yeah. one already, he should be starting one very, very soon. Um, two guys, both Chicago guys. Uh, Kyle Hendricks won an ERA title when the bubbles would have thrown him out the window. Pulled the uh, tire. Hendricks is the king get outs guy on the hill. Uh, and Tim Anderson is a guy that consistently before this year was always like, hey, your savant page is very blue. He doesn't hit 115s. He chases a lot of pitches. He strikes out a decent bit. High BABIP. Like, that's who Tim Anderson is. He's going to spray the ball all over. Luis Arise does a couple things to put him in, like, the 99th or 100th percentile. Tim Anderson doesn't. So the two guys that, you know, I've watched, I guess, in relatively recent memory, um, because Mark Burley, I guess, is the king. Like, that's my favorite player ever, and the bubbles would hate him. But – um, Kyle Hendricks and Tim Anderson are my two answers. Yeah, and the bubbles aren't perfect, right? They like specific players. They like guys who hit the ball really hard, who don't allow a lot of hard contact, get a lot of strikeouts, and don't walk anybody. Spin so, the ball really well, throw it hard. Yeah, and guys like even Framber Valdez doesn't have the prettiest baseball. Logan Webb page. has a terrible savant page. Exactly, but these guys just continue to outperform those peripherals, and it's based on the fact of they get outs a different way than, you know, what's preferred, right? We look at hitters. You mentioned Tim Anderson, mentioned Luisa Rice. Like that theme of players who it's not necessarily that they're hitting the ball that hard. It's just that they're hitting in the right spots and their bat to ball is so good, right? I bet if we looked at Tony Gwynn's baseball savant page, it wouldn't look very good. Like what would Ty Cobb's baseball savant page be? Well, <laughs> it's tough because he moved in slow motion compared to some of these guys. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's not the best example. All right, um, question number three. If he stays at the pace for a few years, do you think that Shohei Otani will be considered the greatest athlete of all time, surpassing players like Michael Jordan, Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps, Serena Williams, etc.? I can answer this question quickly. I mean, the guys that he named, what, Usain Bolt is really, really fast? Shohei Otani's probably faster. Michael Phelps, what, did he swim? Throw Tony in the pool. I bet he's breaking those records. MJ was carried by Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson. Like, we don't talk about the time where he didn't win championships, right? He has six six rings, six and oh, that's all I hear. He played 15 seasons. Spare me. Serena Williams, just really good at tennis. Yeah, Otani's way better than all those idiots. Uh, how has Otani fared in the postseason? Going back to the Jordan thing real quick. Well, he can't get to the postseason if the rest of his team doesn't get there. Basketball is a different sport. You put him in the postseason. How did he do in the World Baseball Classic? He did pretty well. Won it. Um, yeah. So I I think yes for baseball people, for you know people that just think greatest athletes of all time. When Otani is all said and done, I'm not sure if he's going to be one of the first people that comes up in that conversation. That's not an Otani problem. That's a baseball problem. Um, I think Jordan was globalized. I think LeBron was globalized. Serena globalized. Phelps globalized. Think about what they do. You know, the NBA was like the global game. Baseball, while it is getting more international, it doesn't hold a candle to what the NBA is doing. The last five MVPs are all non-Americans in the NBA. Um, I mean, Serena's winning... She's winning Grand Slams in France, Australia, England, and the U.S. They work all around the world. Uh, Michael Phelps, it's literally the fucking Olympics. Like, it's the world championships for that. So Usain Bolt, the fucking world championships. So 
Otani, while we as baseball people believe that he is the most gifted athlete on the planet, I think the people that don't necessarily understand every intricacy of baseball will not view him in the same way as MJ. But when it's all said and done, I think people that are baseball fans will be quick to lump Otani in with Phelps, with Bolt, with Serena, with MJ, with, you know, whoever else you got going on. No, and I was obviously joking at the very beginning. I know, I know. But what I I do want to say is that Otani, the reason why we talk about him so much and you see him all over social media all the time is like we keep wanting to hammer it into people's heads that we this is not normal, right? We try and find comparisons in baseball. Bullet Rogan in the Negro Leagues. Babe Ruth for like a season. This does not happen. And did I mention that he's fast? Yes. Have I mentioned that he's fast? Yes. Did you know that? Yes. Okay. I did know that. And, and yeah, like Tatis is 24. Yeah, Tatis is 24, younger than Adley. So if Otani and Michael Jordan lined up in a race, I bet Otani wins. Um, <laughs> but that's the main point of it is. Shohei Otani, he's one of the greatest pitchers on planet Earth. He's one of the, he might be the best hitter in Major League Baseball right now. Yeah. And he's very fast. He's very, you fast. look at everybody in every other sport, they're very good at one thing. Right. We make the comparison. It's like if Tom Brady led the league in touchdowns and then was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, that's a good comparison because it's both offense and defense. In the NBA, they play both offense and defense on well, every game has to be well rounded. Yeah. yeah. Like Michael Phelps, get him out of the pool. How fast is he running? Doubt it. Serena <laughs> Williams, get her, get her, get her to, I want to see her, her in the box. Person. Let's see Serena in the yeah, box. I want to see her hit 98, right? Michael She's Jordan. Really good. Actually, he did it baseball. Actually, I I bet Serena could hit nukes. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but not as far as Otani, and she's not as fast. You're right; she's probably not as fast. Not as fast. All right, let's move on. Uh, this is a good one. If you were in Heim Bloom's position, would you buy, sell, or just stay put? Oh, hashtag the gold bottles. I'm going to stick with my guns here, and I have not changed my answer, and I don't plan on changing my answer. I think the Red Sox are going to finish last. I keep saying it. And just because they go on a little win streak here and there, or they look a little bit better, look at the rotation. They need like four more arms. The offense has been good. The defense has not been good. There's a couple good bullpen arms. Kenley's been fantastic. Let's see how he is in September. Chris Martin has been great. Let's see how he is in September. These are older guys. I'm not getting off this position. I I feel like I'm always getting DMs from Red Sox fans. Like, well, what do you think now? Well, what do you think now? I don't, I'm not changing because they won two games in June in a row. I don't, I kind of think, and to answer this question fully, I think they're in a kind of similar situation to the Cubs, except that they shouldn't buy, if that makes sense. I think it's more of a stay put situation while dealing off some guys that you don't see long term. It's just this season that I don't truly believe in the Red Sox. It's not next season because we've seen that the Red Sox, they have gone from worst to World Series champions. That's what the Red Sox do. I would say that they might be the best team in baseball retooling for one year and then being right back in the thick of it. When we do our 2024 MLB predictions, I'm going to be unrealistically high on the Red Sox because I've seen this story before. They have the pieces set in place. They're going to get Trevor Story back. 
But do I think like they should add Shane Bieber? Do I think they should like trade away top prospects in order to compete now? Absolutely not. So I, I'm trying to think about where story slots in. I think story could DH. I'm thinking about a possible Red Sox infield next year because we're looking at 24 likely as the debut season for Rafaela, for Marcelo Meyer, and for Nick York. So if you can have Casas at first, York at second, Meyer at short, Devers at third, Story DHing, and Rafaela in the outfield with Verdugo, I feel really awesome about that lineup and what that lineup can accomplish because all of those guys will have multiple years of control. So I think that the Red Sox offensively are in a sneaky good spot. I like what Bayo is becoming. Um, I stay put as sad as that sounds. If you want to try and sell and make some moves for, I don't know, like in a seller's market, if the price for Kenley is high and you can get a good return of upper level miners guys for Kenley Jansen, I would go ahead and do it. I, I would do it for Justin Turner too. Um, I don't know. I would just start to shop the guys that don't feel like they're going to be in the lineup on August 1st, 2024. Um, and that's not something that the Red Sox do well is like forecast ahead, right? They want to win every year. And how can you tell a Red Sox fan when they're a couple games over 500 that they're not going to win this year? That's but how baseball is, works. If you're over but, 500, you want to win this year. And and they should want to win this year. But I, I would just disagree with that, that last thing you said, that they're not very good at forecasting. I think they do have a good idea of what they're going to be next year. And I think Heim Bloom is not going to go away from that plan. I, like, think I, think, Heim, I think Heim is good at forecasting. I'm not sure if the Red Sox fan base is good at forecasting. But the question was, what is Heim Bloom going to do? And I think that Heim Bloom is going to look at a guy like James Paxson and say, hey, you gave us a bunch of really good starts in a row. We are sending you out of here, and we are going to get some prospects because a lot of teams are going to be interested in a lefty who looks great. And, of course, I know we just exited his last start with a little bit of an injury. Hopefully he comes back fully healthy. But that's a great trade ship at the deadline. The Red Sox can get a good prospect for him, right? You're keeping Bayo. You're keeping Whitlock. Cutter Crawford has looked good lately. Out. But then, like, that's your rotation, right? Like, could they potentially send out Justin Turner? Yes. Right? Could they send out Adam Duvall? These yes. guys, I don't think you're factoring them into your long-term plans. You retool for next year. And I'm telling you, I have full faith in them being really, really good next year. I do. Full faith. I think they can I think they can shop Kike Hernandez, man. Like they could. I, his stock is dropping because of the shortstop ineptitude, but he's a really good outfielder. I think the Marlins can go get Kike Hernandez for something that they have in the upper level minors that could help the Red Sox down the road. And the reason I'm kind of freaking out <laughs> and just like yelling into the mic is because in my DMs, the team fan base that is most hot and cold, at least with their team, the Red Sox. who's asking me questions are the Red Sox because they keep going back and forth. I keep getting chirps like, Oh, you really don't like the Red Sox this year? They're finishing last clown emoji when they win two in a row. And then I get a next one where it's like, Peter, how do we blow it up when they lose three in a row? It's like, can we figure it out? 
And I think this is a confusing time. So I'm not, you know, bagging on any Red Sox fans out there. This is a confusing time. What, they're 40 and 39 right now as we sit here today? What's their exact standing? They are, yeah, 40 and 39. They're last place in the division. They have a 0.3% chance, according to Fangraphs, to win the division with a 17.6% chance of making the playoffs. You buying? Look at your division. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm not even confident we're going to make the playoffs. We're like seven games above you guys. Yeah. It's just a really, really tough division. The Blue Jays are playing better right now. Vladdy just hit his first home run at Rogers Center. His quality of contact is insane. He's going to start going crazy in the second half. Blue Jays are just going to keep getting better and better. They're going to add. You think the Orioles are slowing down anytime soon? You think the Rays are stopping? The Angels and the Astros, you think they're stopping in the West? The Central won't get anybody besides their division winner, but there are a lot of really good teams. It makes no sense for the Red Sox to go all in this year. Absolutely no sense. So if I'm them, I'm selling off some of these aging assets who can help contenders. You go get some prospects, maybe some more MLB-ready prospects, and then you come next year and you shove it down everybody's throats because you're the Red Sox and that's what you do. But this, in in the year of our Lord, 2023, it's just a down year. But they've had down years, and then they win the World Series. So I don't want to hear it. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the next question. But before we move on to the next question, shout out So Rare. We saw a bunch of you guys listen to the podcast yesterday and join. We're still welcoming on people into our Fantasy Baseball League on So Rare, which is absolutely free. The link is in our episode description. Remember, you can join the free league, or you can put in a little bit of money. Buy some cards that you like. We were getting chirped on Twitter, Jack, because we were like, what about Reed Detmers? Did you listen to our so rare pitch when we're like, we're buying in on Reed no, Detmers? Clearly not. A lot, of the, Headline a, lot of the, a lot of the guys that we talk about, like we're buying in on so rare in order to sell them for more later or just to hold because we think that their future is great. That's why so rare is such a great app, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen, because you can play fantasy baseball for free. You don't got to pay anything. So if you don't want to spend a dime, absolutely no worries. You just play fantasy baseball for free. But if you're interested in card collecting, if you're interested in players that you know are very good and that are young, you can invest in them now and it'll pay dividends in the future. That's why it's such a great app. It's such a no-brainer. It's such an easy sell, ladies and gentlemen, to download so rare. It is in the episode description. It's it's cards on the internet. It's buying and selling cards on the internet. And, and if you like, if you want to do that, it's just without the cardboard. And I love the cardboard. Don't get me wrong. I know you love the cardboard too. I love the cardboard. And it doesn't take you away from doing that. Also, no, you can do both. It, I view it as I view it as playing the stonks. S S T O N K S. It's yep. it's all stonks for me. And Reed Detmers is my stonk. Up. Stonk way up. Love Redemers. You know who's been great? Dylan fucking Cease. Yeah, Dylan Cease has been awesome. Dude has been shoving. Now, he's maybe a guy who you're like, all right, he's got an ERA in the high threes now. I think he's time to invest. He looks all the way back. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next question. If the Pirates decide to sell the deadline, is Andrew McCutcheon possibly going to get traded with others like a Rich Hill and a Carlos Santana? Or is this going to be a farewell tour since it could be his last season. What I did see is, do you see that Andrew McCutcheon quote tweet? Uh, that was a parody. That wasn't oh, it was a parody? Oh, yeah. I, I got fooled. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Petriello got fooled too. I got fooled. Yeah. Um, I I love that this question was included because I'm going to shut this thing down immediately. Um, mm. Andrew McCutcheon is not being traded. Mark my words. 
He is not being traded. Um, I saw the John Morosi tweet. I'm sure everybody saw the John Morosi tweet. Jason Mackey, who covers the Pirates for the Post-Gazette, immediately replied and said, I have talked to McCutcheon about this several times. I have direct quotes from him. He does not want to be traded. He is not getting traded. It is pretty much a no trade that was agreed upon when he came back. This is not his swan song. McCutcheon is one of the true, like, valuable bats in the Pirates lineup right now. McCutcheon's one of the better players on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think McCutcheon's going to be a Pirate until he wants to hang the cleats up. Yeah, He's not getting traded. Like, he has a no trade clause without the no trade clause. He's not getting traded, okay? Everybody within the Pirates knows that he's not getting traded. But other people might. Carlos Other people might. No, I think Rich Hill is a perfect flip candidate. I think Santana is a perfect flip candidate. G-Man Choi is on a rehab. I think Choi is a perfect flip candidate. Because these guys don't factor into the Pirates' long-term plans. Flip the guys that don't. Getting off beat for a little bit because we kind of just went over the guys who the Pirates can trade because they're a really young team. They just have a couple of veterans who could potentially move off, get more prospects, and their system is fantastic. And they're going to have the number one overall pick. And they're, unless they're crazy going to draft a Dylan Cruz or a Paul Skeens or a Wyatt Langford who could be ready by 2024. I mean, they're that good and they're that ready. So yeah. they'll have them in the fold. Henry Davis, we're seeing get called up. Nick Gonzalez, Andy Rodriguez is going to get called up. Like they are, the window is opening and they're going to be awesome. So they could potentially just flip. We named them. Carlos Santana, Rich Hill, a couple other guys. So I just have a question. Yeah. Or you, you, you wanted to say something first? I was just going to run through the lineup that you could be looking at in 2025. Yeah, opening day. Mm-hmm. Andy Rodriguez catching. Beast. Uh, yeah, beast. Let's put, I don't know, whoever at first base. I don't need to put something. Juan Bay. Right now. No. Juan Bay. <laughs> Let's put Nick Gonzalez at second. Let's put O'Neill Cruz at short. Key Brian Hayes at third. Reynolds in left. Cruz, Dylan Cruz in center. Henry Davis in right. Sign a free agent first baseman. Sawinski's DHing. And then you've got a rotation that features Mitch Keller. How about a healthy Mike Burrows when he's back from TJ? How about Quinn Priester who just had an 11 punch out game? Jared Jones looks electric. Anthony Solomito, Roanza Contreras if he bounces back. There are so many options here. That's a good lineup that I just rattled off for you. No doubt about it. And you could put Sawinski in the outfield and you can move Henry Davis to first or yep. you could just sign a first baseman. Like they will be loaded. So my question is. And I thought it was funny that Roancy Contreras' name went far down the line when you were talking about guys that you want to build around, right? You also have Yoan Oviedo. You have Luis Ortiz. You got a lot of other arms. Totally forgot to mention Ortiz. Exactly. But Roancy, how does he factor in, dude? I thought he was an extension candidate. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I'm as spun around on Roe as, as everybody else is because I think that guy has so much ability. I think he's got stupid juice in that arm. He's 97. He's a, got a hammer of a curveball. Like, let's figure this shit out. The slider's awesome. I don't know if it's a time thing. I don't know if it's a rep thing. I don't know if he's in a funk thing. Dude, I'm I'm lost on Rolanzi Contreras right now. I'm lost too. And it's funny when, you know, when I'm making my daily picks and Rolanzi's on the mound, I'm like, is he facing a good offense? Fading him. He's facing him. Bad offense? I'm taking him. Well, now you don't even see him on the app because he's out of the fucking bullpen. How does that happen? I don't know. But he's 23. He's younger than uh, Bryce Elder. He's younger than Fernando Tatis Jr., who now yep. we know is 24. 
and younger than Adley. Younger than Adley Rutschman. It's tough, dude. Like uh, a month ago, maybe a little bit more, maybe six weeks ago, when they locked up Brian Reynolds and they started talking about the possible extension conversations with others, Keller, but Rowanzi was next for me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like extend Keller and Rowanzi on cheap deals. Not anymore. Now, what do you do? No, you just wait and see what you got. So fascinating. I just don't know what's going to happen to him, but wishing the best yeah. because I do think he has an electric arm. Like so you said, stupidly talented. He's there's so talent good. there and he's still so young. He's still so young. And I, you know, we made jokes about that, but at the end of the day, he is still so young. That's the reason why we bring it up. If he finds it at age 25, like Mitch Keller it took a while. Right? Mitch Keller just found it. Just <laughs> like found end it. of last year. He just found it. Exactly. So Rowanzi's he's got time, but it's just a very puzzling situation. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next question. So the Rays, the Orioles, and the Reds, and the Marlins are all succeeding at high levels with low payrolls and great development and organizational help, while none of the top seven payrolls are in the top two of their division. Could we see a regress towards the mean with a $300 million contract and see more of that invested in coaching and team development? Obviously, sign your best players, but it's not shocking that a 40-year-old and a 38-year-old are struggling leading rotation no matter how great they are. Asked by Ben Wixier on Instagram. Also, I want to shout out, I forgot to say everybody's names. I apologize. Shout out Monday underscore Ethan. Shout out Isaac underscore Z14. Shout out Joey. Uh, Joey's Skihan. 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 I'm an idiot. Zero four. Uh, Naoki baseball nerd on Instagram. Shout out Naoki. And that question was asked by Ben on our Instagram. You summed up this question because it's kind of a complicated question. Yeah. Let's sum it up before we answer it. Yeah. So I, I thought that this was an excellent bit of research from Ben here to note that the high payroll teams are not performing as well as the teams that have emphasized player development at this point. So I think the way Ben wants this question perceived and like, listen, hit us on Twitter or Instagram if we're wrong about this. But the way that I perceived this question personally was, do I think that we will get away from the big money deals and more teams are going to try and place a greater emphasis on player development and amateur scouting in the way that has made the Rays successful? That's how I interpreted this question. And, and it's a an- very good one. It's yeah, no, a go really ahead. good one. And my answer to that is something that I have thought long and hard about. And I, you know, like was not necessarily waiting for a mailbag question to dive into it. I think we have dove into it previously. Um, I think that the best teams in baseball will be a combination of excellent amateur scouting, excellent player development, and excellent allocation of financial means. There, this is a really weird year where the big money teams are not succeeding because usually there is a loose correlation between spending a lot of money and winning a lot of baseball games. The yep. big market teams, the big money teams typically win the most baseball games. This year has been an outlier. I think that's a good thing. The teams that he just mentioned here, Tampa Bay, everybody knows Tampa Bay is the best at identifying like 
the castaways. Their bullpen is full of castaways that threw weird. And it's like, hey, you have one pitch that performs really well. Do that all the fucking time. Jose Siri failed in two places and he's an everyday center fielder. Isak Paredes was flipped for Austin Meadows in like, hey, this was a top prospect that we don't think is like that great anymore. Take him. He's OPSing over 800. And then they identify a guy like Wander Franco and they sign him to a big money deal. Randy Rosarena was an afterthought for the St. Louis Cardinals. They do such a good job of identifying guys that fit their mold really well. So I give them a massive thumbs up for amateur scouting. The Marlins are fascinating because they are player development 101, especially pitchers. They can't develop hitters that well. Luis Arise has been a godsend for that lineup. But you think about Yuri Perez, this guy's a wonderkind. They identified him. They taught him that high-speed changeup. And it is all systems go. Sandy has ticked up. Lazardo looks great, looks comfortable. The Reds, Ellie de la Cruz was, I mean, a, a diamond in, in a shit pile. Like, in, he's a $65,000 free agent. That guy is yeah. so hard to find. And they found an alien. Matt McLean was one of their first round picks. They do a great job identifying. And then the Orioles have the best farm system in baseball. And you are seeing an excellent farm system with good development, but great identification start to rear its head as a team that is really successful at the big league level. So I think that this is a year that could incentivize big money teams to start spending more on development and scouting. I don't think we're getting away from the big money contracts because the best players in baseball are the ones that win World Series. I couldn't agree with you more. I thought you broke it down really well. But I also think that we are freaking out a little bit because it is the middle of June. Let's see how well the Marlins continue to play. Let's see how well the Reds continue to play. Now, the Reds have hit on a lot of great trades, and they have a obviously flowering farm system. You got to give them a lot of credit. Orioles, same thing. But these are a lot of teams that were in the dumps for a very, very long time. And when you have a, the first pick, the second pick, third pick, you're in the top 10 in every single year, you're ultimately going to hit on a few and then get some great players and then ultimately be good. Like the Yankees, they are unable to tank. The Steinbrenner family will never tank. No. We're seeing the Rangers sign Corey Seager, sign Marcus Semien. All these big-time free agents, they're doing pretty damn well. Like, there are only a few teams in all of Major League Baseball who have able to hit on draft picks, allocate their funds correctly, and that's like the Astros in the race. Like, the Dodgers are always competitive and have hundreds of millions of dollars in payroll, and the Mets is like the big example right now of shittiness but that's kind of been the Mets MO forever. Yeah. They're an outlier this year. I, I think that they're a total outlier. There are two examples of this working and culminating in a World Series win. Because we talk about how the Rays are the gold standard. Yes, they're constantly in the postseason. When's their World Series? Exactly. The Guardians are really good at this. They were within and out of winning the World Series. When's are, their World Series? Are the Guardians really good at this? The Guardians are good at this. Are they good at developing hitting? Who's been an impact hitter outside of Jose Ramirez now for a while? You could say Andres Jimenez, but they got him in a trade, which Steven, is you know good on them. Yeah, no, I mean Stephen Kwan. Um, Stephen Kwan had a really high batting average in year one. He has not been very good this season. No, I mean Francisco Lindor. Like they developed him. They, yeah, there are consistent bats that come up and perform for them. They have a litany. Kinda. 
they've always been, I mean, not always, but for the last decade, they've constantly been above 500. They're extremely good at developing pitching. I will uh, shower praise upon them for that. But hitting, I don't know if I believe in this. Our models love high contact guys and will will teach you how to impact the baseball. Yeah, but it got them to the ALDS last year. Say it again? It got them to the ALDS last year with the youngest roster in baseball. Yeah, and they lost to my poverty Yankees. Yeah, so I like it's a postseason team. team. Well, this feeds my point, right? Like it got them to the postseason. Did they like? Did they have any shot at winning the World Series last year? But I think that's what I'm saying. Like I think we're freaking out a little bit. We're seeing a big payroll by the Mets, and we're seeing these young up and coming teams with low payrolls. But it has been the result of a lot of years. Like Reds fans, they've had a lot of years in the cellar. Orioles fans, a lot of years in the cellar. Marlins, a lot of years in the cellar, right? The Nationals, they're in the cellar right now, but they're accumulating very a ton of young assets, and then potentially they'll be good in a couple of years. So it's it's not often the case. Right now in June, there are a couple of young up-and-coming teams who aren't paying anything, and the Mets are horrible. So I'm going to give you the two examples that culminated in a World Series win. It was the 2015 Kansas City Royals, Mm-hmm. And it was the 2017 and 22, I guess, Houston Astros, because yeah. those are still homegrown guys. And those Cubs. And those Cubs. Um, but they moved for Lester. That was a big money move for John Lester. That True. was a deadline deal for Aroldis Chapman. It, they had guys like that. It was a yeah. big money move for Ben Zobrist. No, it's a good point. So, I mean, like the Royals did it with homegrown talents like Alex Gordon, Alcides Escobar, uh, Salvador Perez, Hosmer was homegrown at that point. Yardano Ventura was homegrown at that point. They, they made some moves to help them out, but all of the, the biggest stars were guys that like they developed. The Houston Astros, I mean, Altuve is their guy. Uh, Bregman is their guy. Correa was their guy. Um, Framber Valdez was their guy. They, they did Javier. trade for Jordan very, very young. They traded for Jordan early. Kyle Tucker was their guy. Yep. So, like, they traded for Cole. They had Verlander. Those were those were the ones. So, I think those are the two examples of like mostly homegrown teams winning the World Series. Um, that's two in the last exactly. ten years. Like, there is a there is an upper echelon. There are levels. Yeah. And the Astros and Rays are just. On another level, and the Astros aren't even doing that well this year. Yep, they'll be fine though. They're the Astros. They uh, our last question is a great one. Who do you guys view as the sleeping giant of the MLB right now? I.e., think 2021 Atlanta Braves. And this was asked by Daisy Doogies on Twitter. Shout out Daisy Doogies. <sighs> There are teams that I want to say, and it's so hard. But I think my ultimate sleeping giant right now is the Houston Astros. Right? They're not in the cellar. They're still competing right there with the Angels. You know, and they're not in first place anymore, but the Rangers have slid back a little bit. A couple of tough losses. The Yankees did beat them two out of three in Yankee Stadium, and then they just got weirdly blown out by the Tigers. Shout out the Tigers. Shout out the Tigers. Yeah. But I don't know how I can't view them as this sleeping giant here when we're talking about 
because there's a lot of different ways we could go about this. Like the Phillies are always that team where when they get hot, they're so tough to beat. If they sneak in, they can win a World Series just like they did, or at least get to it like they did last year. The Padres, you can tell, like Blake Snell's pitching out of his mind right now. Darvish has been struggling. Musgrove, like we can go through all the teams who are supposed to be really good, but the Astros have been destroyed with injuries, right? Jordan's out for uh, at least another chunk. Lance McCullers, done. Jose Arquiti, done, right? You look at the bullpen. It hasn't been all healthy this year. Rafael Montero has taken an enormous step back. But I look at this team, and I say on any given day, they can beat any team. And you could say that about a lot of different baseball teams. But they've been pretty unlucky by batted ball luck. I don't have to go through all the stats. They've been pretty unlucky on the mound, too. They still have an elite bullpen, and they've still been there and done that. And I bet if you walked into the Astros clubhouse and said, are you guys nervous? Do you guys think you won't win the division? I guarantee you all 25 of them are saying, we're winning this division. We know we are. And I would not be surprised if they still do. I still think they do. Weirdly. I I think the Rangers are still a very, very good team. But I think the loss of DeGrom is going to really, really hurt moving forward. I think the Astros are going to be strategic at the deadline like they always are, adding the right pieces when they need to. And I still think that the Astros are going to win this division. And they're going to get in the playoffs, folks. And we know what they're going to do. So they're my big sleeping giant. Uh, Seattle's mine. Mm. Get this rotation, get this bullpen in the postseason. And you're running out Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, and Bryce Miller. You throw Brian Wu in the bullpen. And you've got Munoz. You've got Seawald. You've got all those bullpen pieces that are working for them. Uh, The offense, like, Julio has been bad this year. Where did that come from? Bad relative. To Relatively himself. speaking, he's been bad. Yeah. We yeah. were expecting, you know, 900 OPS from Julio. We're just not getting it. So we're like, okay, he's been bad. Uh, yeah, mid. But like, I don't know. I think if this offense takes any sort of step forward, that pitching, if they get an opportunity, can win three games in a row, one nothing. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm still totally bought into the Seattle Mariners. I've just been so underwhelmed by their hitting. I keep waiting. I keep waiting. I keep it's waiting. Brutal. It's brutal. brutal. It's been brutal. Ty France, where'd you go? To Oscar Hernandez, nice addition. Right? Cal yeah. Raleigh has not been the same guy. Colton Wong's been. Offered. Colton Wong isn't even a player anymore. It's been so underwhelming. Like, how many 1-0 games can you win? But I agree with you. If they get hot, their pitching is too damn good, and that's going to carry them. They just need to score a couple of runs, right? Couple of couple here and there. But I just keep looking at the Astros saying, there is no shot I'm counting them out. Mariners, it's tough when I look at their offense. Astros, I'm like, you guys could still win the World Series. Yeah, but then I see Belak in France throwing. And what Belak just got optioned, but France is still throwing in that yeah. rotation. No, it's but not Blanco ideal. They started a game. Their, their rotation has been decimated by injuries. I just think they're going to add. Yeah. And I think they're going to get guys back. TBD. TBD. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the mailbag again. We do this every other Wednesday. Jack, this was awesome doing it with you. Yeah, it was Shout fun. You. It, was, I like it. it was a great time. Um, again, remember, we are brought to you by BetMGM. Use code Just Baseball. 
when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. All those great bonus bets. And then, of course, remember to download So Rare. It's in the episode description. Literally a no-brainer. If you like baseball, it's a no-brainer. But then, of course, if you'd like to support our podcast, get yourself some Just Baseball merch. We got a bunch of new merch stuff in uh, our merch store. Check that out in the episode description. That's Jack. I'm Peter. And with that, thank you, everybody.